Welcome to the Mind and Body Strong podcast, a place for women to redefine their relationship with food and their body, tune into their inner wisdom, and become the best version of themselves. My name is Katie Pijanowski, and I'm an anti-diet and body image coach, certified personal trainer, and lover of all things travel, brunch, and personal growth. Join us each week as we share insightful conversations with guest experts, along with my own personal stories and teachings that aim to help you reconnect your mind, body, and spirit while releasing old beliefs, dogma, and expectations that no longer serve you. Each episode is packed with nuggets of wisdom that are sure to leave you feeling inspired, challenged, and empowered to take action in your own life. Shy away from tough topics? No way. In this space, we welcome things including mental health, sex, diversity, eating disorders, weight stigma, and all that comes with having a human experience. I'm so excited to have you on this journey with me, so grab a notebook, pen, and some headphones, and let's dive in. All right, team! Are you ready for some podcasting today? Listen, I... I feel like anytime I'm in the presence of like multiple people, I just have to say team. It's just like in my boot camp like nature of like being in the fitness space. It's just what happens. Every time I'm in the presence of multiple people, it's just team. So y'all are my mind and body strong podcasting team. Welcome. <laughs> I have a really exciting guest for you today. And in listening to the back to this conversation, I just feel so energized. And the guest that I'm bringing for you today is Julie Olamacher. She is an incredible intuitive eating and body image coach. And she's also a mentor of mine. I actually participated in a group program that she ran with another coach, Holly Toronto, who I've been working with as well. And every time I'm in the presence of Julie, I just like feel better. I just love her vibration. She's always running high on the energy. She always tells it exactly like it is. She always brings the fun. And I know that that's going to carry through in this message today. As we talk about permission around accepting our bodies, we talk about mourning the thin ideal and acknowledging the struggles that come along with that because it's something that we really have to acknowledge when we're going into this space of body image is that our world is built for people in thin bodies. And that's just something that is is the world. And how do we actually create resilience around that to be able to root ourselves in our worth? This is something that kind of carries through in our conversation. We also talk about Julie brings up this amazing question that really kind of starts us off by asking, what are we fearing we might lose if we fully accept our bodies? And in this, she really shares a powerful client story who was able to release the grasp on body shame and to actually step into this more creative space of what gets to be possible for her when she releases that body shame and realizes that she actually gets to have exactly what she wants and her body size doesn't determine anything about her worth. And so many other client stories that she shares that just showcases that this work is so much more than just food and body image. It is so much deeper. It is liberating women to speak up and stand in their truth and to ask for those those jobs they want, to ask for the raises, to be able to just live their lives boldly. And that's something that Julie strongly stands for. So I'm so excited for you guys to listen into this conversation. So without further ado, let's jump in. 
Welcome to the Mind and Body Strong podcast, everyone. I have a super awesome guest with us today. Her name's Julie Oakelmeyer. Is that how you say your last name? <laughs> you know what's funny is that I was interviewed on a podcast on Monday and leave this in because this, <laughs> this is hilarious. I love this. I love this shit. And they also were like, how do we say your name? And people actually usually can say Olamacher, but I, I love the- And I know Olamacher. that I've heard you say it before because like how long have I been working with you? But it's so funny. I know, I know. Olamacher. Nobody can say my last name either. So oh, I think- Hold on, Yeah, you got it. But I'm that I'm I know that only because like I feel like I've gotten really good at weird last names because my my maiden name is Wino spelled W O J N O. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Like, so yours is Polish, right? Right, exactly. Oh yeah, I got you. But I feel like I'm I, the opposite. It's like my na- last name is really hard, and then I've just like not gotten good at other people. You like just like giving it up. You're like screw it. <laughs> so I just understand when people are like Pajowski. Uh, Pajowski, no. what is it? Wrong. I'm, actually, I'm proud of myself that I got your last name right. Oh, it's already I, know, I got perfect. you. It's Pijanowski Nolamacher. What's up? That's a mouthful. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, Julie is just so awesome because I got to work with her mostly in the anti-diet health coach camp, which was just such a beautiful progression from the work that I got to do one-on-one with Holly, who is the other coach that runs that program and getting to just be in your energy. And like, I listen to your podcast, uh, the babes mint, like almost every week. I love oh energy. Gosh, that makes me so happy. Like, yeah, no, I just, I, I'm so excited that we're going to have this conversation, like really centering, like around this idea of permission, especially when it comes to like owning our body size, because in this work, I just know, especially for myself, like, as we were reflecting before we started pressing record, like I remember talking to Holly at first and being like, oh, if I just lose the 15 pounds, like everything will just like work out in my life. Mm-hmm. And we both know how that is just so untrue. So We'll definitely get into that, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself with my audience. Yeah. Hi. It's so, it's so good to be here. Thanks for that really warm welcome. <laughs> so as, as Katie said, my name is Julie Olamacher. I live in Columbus, Ohio. And for all your listeners, as we're recording this, my big fluffy Bernie's mountain dog named Maple, who is casually Instagram famous, <laughs> is curled up right next to me. It's pretty freaking cute. Um, all about Maple. All, it's all about Maple. It's Maple's world. We're just living in it. It's so I, true. I want to live in Maple's world. I mean, seriously though, can I see maple in my next life? Uh, so I'm an intuitive eating and body image coach. I've been doing this work for four years now, which seems crazy to think about. I came to this work, you know, through, I think how most of us do, through my own struggle, right? With body dysmorphia and with disordered eating, all that kind of came to a head when I was in college. And I remember in college thinking like, I would just love to help women, you know, overcome these struggles. I would love to help women have wonderful relationships with food and exercise and their bodies. I had no idea what that, what, what that would look like. I didn't know coaching was a thing yet. So I ended up going to graduate school because I was like, okay, I'm, I know I'm passionate about body image. I don't know how to do that in a career yet. So let's just do what I know how to do and keep doing school. And so that, that moved me from Boston to Columbus uh, to do my master's program at Ohio State, where I studied how mass media and interpersonal communication impact body image. Did a detour in public health before I saw coaching and was like, oh, coaching. That's how I can, I can do what I've always wanted to do. And so I got into coaching and got an intuitive eating counselor certification and the rest is history. And 
I just I really, really love getting to empower women to hop off that toxic cycle of on again, off again, dieting to really overcome objectification and come home to their humanity, to reconnect, reconnect with their bodies, to free themselves from the distraction, the stress, the guilt, the shame that comes from dieting and from body image struggles so that they can just be freer and have the permission. They give themselves the permission, right? To right live the life they want to live and to soak up these precious little moments that we have every day. And ah, I love it. <laughs> I love it a lot. <laughs> yes. It just, I love the progression of like, Oh, just, I know I'm passionate about this, but I'm just going to keep going to school and see where it goes. And then when coaching came across, it was like, duh. I'm yeah. like, duh, this makes so much sense for you. Like, <laughs> right. And to give people an, an idea too, because I think sometimes we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to you know, hop right into like the career of our dreams or to know exactly what we're doing. And I mean, when I, when I first kind of started realizing my, my passion for this, I was what, 21 years old, you know, 22, maybe like the, it was senior year of college. And it wasn't until I was 26, you know, that I found this. So it was four or five, six years later, whatever it was, you know, that I actually came to this. And so just to say like, we don't have to know everything you know, from the get-go and who knows where I'll be in four years from today. I don't know right. <laughs> how will this all progress. Say that because I look up to like what you've been able to create in your business and your life as a model for what I aim to create. And it's so comforting to hear that because I'm currently 27 and have had these big dreams of helping women yeah. in big ways since I was like yes. 22 yes. and I've gone through so <laughs> many crazy progressions to get to where I'm at now. But one thing, and I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but I listened to your HCI podcast, like when you did the 10K challenge speech. Mm -hmm. And I remember just feeling like this soul connection of like, this is so important because you really hammered in on what gets to be possible when we release all of these awful stories that we've been taught to, to hold on to about our body and our body size and how that ties into our worth. And I remember just feeling like this, like heightened, like this is so important. And I already knew that's the direction I was going in. But when I heard you say it with such passion, it was just so clear to me that after like for my story, like silencing my voice for so long that I needed to do this work through the, the avenue of body image to help women share their voices and stop silencing themselves. And like, I don't think I've ever shared that with you. So thank you for You're gonna make me cry. So <laughs> okay, I've been crying all morning. So let's just cry. Um, I, I'm so here for that. Oh, that, that seriously means so much to hear that. That was a really, I mean, I will never forget that moment for the rest of my life. That's, that's for sure. It was pretty unbelievable to get to stand on stage in front of 700 people and, and share that. And, oh yeah. I, I, I even knew you and I just, I felt, I <laughs> felt like your, your sole mission. And I was like, yes. I remember like standing up and walking around and writing in my journal. Like it was a whole thing. <laughs> that makes me so happy to hear. That makes me so happy to hear. And I mean, truly. So, you know, that Holly and I were both finalists. So for right. listeners, you know, this was a, a big challenge in our coaching school and there's five finalists who share their stories in front of, you know, like the 700, whatever coaches that go to their live event. And of the five coaches and the other three were like more like businessy, Holly and I were both body image coaches and we just, and then when I won, we just both felt like 
damn, a room filled of traditional health coaches heard me stand on stage, stage saying that weight's a really poor indicator of health and like kind of busting these things that we've all been taught and they voted me the winner. Like it, it just felt like this resounding call of like, yes, like this work is needed. You know, we need more of this. It, it, that's also why, you know, Holly and I created anti-diet health coach camp, you know, because I know there's more people like you that were in the audience thinking, Ooh, that really resonates, but we're not taught this stuff in coaching school. 100%. And that's where I kind of fell into finding Holly and finding you is I had just finished my, my traditional health and life coach certification and was working with a client that had a lot of these struggles and I was getting really triggered and just knowing what I know, I was like, I clearly have a lot of work to do myself. And if I want to show up and serve the clients, you know, in the most impactful way that I want to, like, I'm going to have to heal my own shit. And that's what really oh, kind of oh, like led me in. Totally. Totally. It, the, the, the saying is true. You know, that we can only take our clients as far as we're willing to take ourselves. And yeah, so true. I think especially with all, all of this stuff. It's like, if you, if you don't unpack your own body image story and your own relationship with food and exercise and these things. I mean, it's that that's paramount to this work, you know, is having mm-hmm. done the work ourselves and, and to continue doing, doing the work ourselves, because, you know, this is not ever like, uh, this is not a mountaintop, you know, body image work, intuitive eating work is not a mountaintop. Sure. You, you get to a place where like, I, I can tell everyone now, like eating is fucking easy for me, you know, and, and that did not used to be the case. I, I was a binger. I would purge. I, you know, very disordered. Now it's so easy. Right. I feel good most of the time. I never say always because we're humans, not machines. And that's just not right. always what happened. But it, so that's pretty freaking cool. You know, and, but, but with, like, with, but with body image and not, not to say that you won't ever have struggles as an intuitive eater, cause you know, we do, we're human, Absolutely. you know, but with body image, especially because we're in diet culture, you know, and it, it's, it's the air that we breathe. Yes. We can, we can get to a place where triggers are few and far between. And for the most part, we're just not thinking about how our body looks and we're just busy out there living lives, you know, but triggers happen. Triggers happen because messages, you know, of the thin ideal and dieting, they're everywhere. They're in the Noom commercial on our favorite podcast. They're on the radio when we hear the cool sculpting at. They're on the TV Mm. show when the fat jokes are made. Those freaking radio commercials, like like, Red Mountain Weight Loss. And I'm like, please stop. (laughs) I know. I know. I mean, so, so the stuff is everywhere, right? It's everywhere around us. And so, yeah, we're going to have triggers. We're going to have hard days. And so really this work is about building resilience, you know, and, and knowing that we can get to a place where we're pretty damn good. And it's, it's never like this work is done. We are, we're always, we're always, I, analogy I always like, like to use with, with my clients is it's like, we have a garden in our mind. And when we first start doing this work, you know, it's like, we're like, Oh shit. I didn't know I had a garden to tend to, you know, <laughs> and so our garden's full of weeds. It's all these like old, you know, beliefs that's just been programmed into us, you know, by society or family or whoever it is. And, you know, we start to realize, Oh wait, I get to be intentional with what I choose to, to value and hold dear to me and believe and, and all of that. And so we get to start picking out the weeds of, of the diet culture bullshit and whatever it is, right. And planting these seeds of intentional beliefs and values. And guess what? Weeds come back. Right. Which is why the analogy works so well, because weeds always want to come back and that's to no fault of the garden. (laughs) Like it's like, Oh, my garden sucks. Weeds come back. It's like, no, that's, that's cold 
nature. That's <laughs> just what happens. And so there's no judgment there. There's no judgment. It's like, okay, no big deal. A weed came. Let's acknowledge it. Let's pick it and let's nurture the the flowers or the veggies or whatever, the, the yeah. beliefs, values that we want to, you know, ground into and, and grow and strengthen. And so that's, I love you kind of using that, that metaphor, that analogy for this work, because I think that really paints the picture of what it is. It truly does. Every time I hear that analogy and I, it just, even, even now, I feel like I had a deeper understanding as you just like brought it up again, because it's like, yeah, of course these weeds are going to come up again. Yeah, yeah. Right. of course. Right. And we don't have to judge ourselves for it. Right. Because I know like that would happen to me in the beginning of my journey and be like, oh no, there it is again. Like it's yeah. coming up. Like I feel, yeah. you know, crazy around food. I can't eat this. You know, those things would still pop up very frequently in the beginning. Now I'm very much in your place where it's eating's pretty easy. There's like, yeah, isn't that very, so awesome? Yes. I had this, ah. like, having this like really awesome realization, like over the last couple of weeks, whenever I like stop eating when I'm full and I'm like completely distracted mm-hmm. and I'm just like, wow, yeah, like, this yeah. is such a gift. It, oh, like, it is so much gratitude. But like, I remember yeah. in the beginning when it felt like a completely just terrifying journey, terrifying. Felt too good to be so true. Yep. And I, I do want to come back to the resilience piece, but I do think it's important that we start at this place where I feel like a lot of my audience could be. And it's that place of hanging on to hope that weight loss is still a possibility. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. guide us through a little bit on that piece. Yeah. Yeah. This, this piece is really, really huge. And honestly, this is why with this work, sure, you can do it alone, go for it, (laughs) but it's hard to do alone. It's really hard because, because diet culture is everywhere because so many of these, of these beliefs about our bodies and health and whatnot that we've grown up with, they just feel like truth. It just feels like fact. And as somebody who grew up in a very medical family, a, a doctor, dad, you know, doctors and nurses all around me worked in public health. Like, you know, I, I get it. I get when the weight centric paradigm is all we've ever been taught, you know, and, and then couple that with all the magazines and man, so I'm, I'm 30 and growing up, you know, in, in the, the, the nineties and two thousands, Holy shit. Right. And I loved like 17 magazine and oh, I, yeah, I read those like the Bible, you know, and the thin ideal was just I mean, every TV show. There was no body diversity. It was always these five moves to blast belly fat. And it was very much like, oh, I have to look this way. Mary Kate and Ashley, Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, you know, it was a very, very thin ideal then. And there really was no body diversity that, that we saw. And so these things are so ingrained, you know, and so that's why it's really helpful to have somebody to have a coach help you unpack these things, you know, help you reframe, help you really do that, that deeper change work, you know, mentally, because it's hard to do on your own when these things can just feel like truth. And one of those things is, you know, that, that we do one of the most important parts of this work. And I think it's probably the piece, the single piece that if it's not done well, if it's not done, you know, intentionally, if it's not really unpacked and spent time with, it's the biggest thing that will keep people from progressing and growing in, in, in their relationship with their body, food, and exercise. And that is really getting real. And this is, of course, in the coaching world. We, we say, what's the ecology? Mm-hmm. What's the ecology? Meaning what's happening around the person? What are the fears they have? What, what might they lay, they deep down fear that they might lose, that they value 
if they're to keep going with this work. And a lot of these things, again, they aren't, they aren't obvious all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that that's why it can be that, that wall it can be that barrier that people don't get to go through because they don't even realize it. We don't even realize it again, because so many of these things are just so normalized. But when we're able to do the work of getting super honest with what are we fearing we might lose if we were to fully accept our bodies? I mean, that is it right there. Yeah. Because if we are deep down thinking, oh God, I don't want to lose my health. I don't want to lose my worth. I don't want to lose you know, this dream of being my best self, living my best life, falling in love, being confident, going to the, all these things that we've been taught to attach to weight loss, taught, taught to attach to an aesthetic, taught to attach to the smaller body. We're not, we're not going to keep, keep going on with the work because we don't want to lose those things. Mm-hmm. But if we're able to acknowledge, oh my God, these are the things I'm fearing I'm, I'm going to lose. And we can work through that that is where the money is. And, you know, I, I think it's important to preface before we, we continue on, you know, there is a hard, there is a truth in this world that we live in, that we live in a fat phobic world. We live in a world built for smaller bodies, mm-hmm. plain and simple. It's true. And so, yes, there are absolutely, you know, advantages to living in this world in a smaller body. It's thin privilege, you know, and being able to walk into any store and easily find clothes in your size mm-hmm. to sit in an airplane comfortably or not have to buy two seats for one person to navigate a restaurant without, you know, bumping into all the tables, you know, to go to your baseball stadium and sit comfortably in a seat to go to the doctor and not just be judged or prescribed weight loss when you actually have a real thing happening that needs attention and care. Mm-hmm. You know, these are, there are there are real things. And and that's kind of the the, the system where we, we look at this and we can see, okay, this is actually a system of oppression and discrimination. And there's a that's a whole nother like conversation for oh yeah that's like a whole nother day. You could just go down the rabbit hole with that one. Yes. But- <laughs> and so like, I, I'm not gonna be here and and gaslight that. You know, I'm not gonna be here and invalidate some of those hard fat, hard truths. And, and this is where the work that we do, Katie, is twofold, right? We're working to, and I don't know if we'll see this systemic change in our lifetime. It might be in the next generation. And hey, that's, that's cool. We're working towards it, but we're working to change the system so that the world isn't just built for small bodies. It's like if the world was built for people who are only, you know, five feet tall, in shorter, I'd be like, what the fuck? I, uh, hello, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'm five, seven. I, I, what, you know, yeah. but we don't think about it like that because we've been sold this idea that we can change our body size. Right. But we, we know that we can't, that we all have a, a different set point weight, you know, that's genetic mm-hmm. and sure it's, it's a range and we can fluctuate within that range, you know, about 20 pounds or, or whatnot, but Ultimately, this is why 98% of people regain weight that they lose, 60% regain more than they started with, and that's not their fault. It's biology. It's mm-hmm. why when we're restricting our food, when we're that's ultimately what, what we're doing on a diet, right? It's some sort of restriction. It's why our body do, do, does this really smart thing, and it it, it reduces the the trigger of, of leptin, which is going to slow down our metabolism and increase our appetite. And on a biological level, 
makes so much sense. Our bodies are like, whoa, I'm not getting enough and I need food to survive. So I better make the most of what I am getting, therefore slowing down the metabolism and pumping up my appetite to be like, hey, person, please feed me, right? It makes sense. It makes sense. So we're sold this idea that we can, you know, actually alter our bodies and we should all be small, but that's just not the case. And so back to the, the point of this is that, you know, this work is twofold. It's, we were working to change the system so that we realize, hey, health is way more. Actually, it's a really poor indicator of health. It's, let's look at the entire person. Let's look at, you know, where they grew up, education, access to healthcare, stress. Yes, eating and exercise are, are a part of it, you know, but there's so much more yeah. genetics, right, to, to the picture of health. So working to change that. And it's also, okay, I'm not one to be like, oh, we live in the system. Now let's just pour us. This sucks, you know, (laughs) and let that hold us back. And so then the work is also how do we empower ourselves and our clients to rise above, you know, and to live their most fun, fabulous, free, empowered, healthy, wonderful lives in the bodies they have so that they're not just like, oh, the system is a system. It is what it is. This sucks. You know, woe is me how do we empower people to, you know, make the most of this sucky system? You know what I mean? And I think a really cool example of this is, yeah, last night on a homecoming call, we had a client share just about this, right? She, when she was really looking at, okay, what am I fearing that I'll lose? What am I mourning losing by accepting my body? You know, things came up like, well, I can't go to the amusement park and ride rides. I can't sit comfortably in a baseball stadium seat. I can't, you know, put on a bikini proudly. And we started to, we started to unpack these things for her. And again, there, there's some truth here in terms of, can she go on a, on any roller coaster ride? No, like her body, like the, the, the roller coaster was not made for her body, but we were also able to do a really powerful reframe and say, Mm, help her realize, help her grasp. And it was so cool to see her go, holy shit, I never realized that. It wasn't, it's not her body's fault. It's not her body's fault. It's the roller coaster's fault. It's the engineer's fault. It's our, it's our society's fault. That, that, that's on them. Mm-hmm. It's not your body's fault, which that in itself is like, damn, wow. Okay. So it's not my body's fault. But also just because she can't go on some roller coasters doesn't mean that she can't go to the amusement park and have a fucking good time. Right. I hope I can curse in the podcast. I didn't Absolutely. ask. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to like talk about dad culture and not curse. I agree. <laughs> but you know, like there, there's so much she can still do. She can still like go to the water park. She can still like, you know, do other rides. She can still play the fun games and get the funnel cake and like just have a good time and like, you know, win the bear from spraying the squirt gun on the whatever. Like there's still like a lot of fun to be like. There are plenty of people who go to amusement parks who don't, don't, don't even like roller coasters. You know what I mean? Like, I'm oh, kind of yeah. one of them. Like, I, I, I like certain ones that they're kind of small, manageable, but like, I'm not, the, I'm not the daredevil to go on the crazy ones. And so there's still a lot more fun to be had, right? If, if you really want to go to an amusement park, like, you can, you know? And she's like, oh, damn, yeah. Or the baseball, like, she, you know, lives in a similar area to me. And we had this really great minor league team in Columbus called the Clippers, and the stadium is actually fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling her, I'm like, hey, it, it might be true that sitting in a baseball seat is uncomfortable. That doesn't mean you can't not go and enjoy the baseball game. Like when actually when, when I go, 
we almost always buy the standing room tickets because it's fun. It's like the, the, the decks or whatever are really fun. They have like really fun food and drinks and love high top tables and like alleged to stand out with your beer to watch the game. Like it's, and it's kind of fun to like be standing. Cause then you can, you know, chat with your friends more and be more social than like, just like sitting in the chair, you know? And yeah, so we prefer, yeah. we prefer that. And so it's like, Hey, you can still go and enjoy the game. You like, like you might just have to like get a little creative with, okay, how can I enjoy this? If I love this thing, I don't have to give it up. It, it might just be, all right, what's, what's a different way I can enjoy it. Or they have like a, a grassy area in the outfield where people can put blankets. Like it's like the outfield slash like stand area. Like it would be like, like bleachers probably in a different stadium. But instead they have, but well, they also have bleachers here. They have bleachers in this one area and then they have blankets in the other. So it's like, okay, there are still ways, you know, to, to get to enjoy these things or at least some of these things, you know, and then the bikini. Cause of course she can wear a bikini proudly. Fuck yeah. But when we really, when we really dissected it, she realized just how much power she was giving this little piece of clothing. And we re- and she realized, oh my gosh, it's not really about the bikini. It's not really about this like just piece of clothing. It's she wanted to lay out. She wanted to play volleyball. She wanted to like go jump in the ocean. She just wanted to have a good time at the beach and experience that freedom. And it's like, well, you get to do that. You know, like you, bikini or no bikini, I don't care what you're actually wearing you get to do those things. You get to experience that kind of freedom if you want to. Mm-hmm. You get to go play in the ocean or play volleyball or lay out, like period, whether you're in a bikini or not in a bikini. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing, the funny piece was is actually, we, we realized we were all joking, like actually sometimes a bikini restricts our freedom because we're worried about the, about the bottoms falling off or the <laughs> boobs popping <laughs> out or losing the, 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 the bathing suit in the ocean. So it was kind of funny for her to be like, oh my God, wait, yeah. It's actually maybe maybe even more freeing to be in a one piece and sometimes, you know, in terms of yeah. not having to worry about the swimsuit flying off. That's so all so this cool. to say, it's like, we we have to acknowledge what we fear we're going to lose. And there might be some things that, yeah, we won't be able to do. I'm not going to like lie or gaslight that. And there's still so much that we can do to live super badass, incredible lives, you know? And it's just sometimes about stepping back and maybe getting creative or maybe rethinking things, but giving ourselves that permission Mm-hmm. right? Like giving ourselves a permission of who do I want to be and what experience do I want to have period. And how do I have that right now? I don't have to have the body size to have that. Oh my God. Yeah. Like mic drop. Wow. <laughs> We're just sitting here shaking my <laughs> head for a long time. <laughs> no, amazing. And I actually had this kind of experience of, of when you were telling your, your client's story of beforehand, you know, she was very focused on forcing her body into this specific box per se. Right. And I felt like this almost cleansing, like a clenched fist, you know, trying to fight her way there to like earn all these things. And there was kind of like a narrow hallway that kind of, that's the, the image I was getting from like the beforehand. And then the after piece where y'all were able to open up like this curiosity and like, what else can be possible when we actually explore you know, these different options and how you can still have all the things that you desire in your life. And actually some of them might even be better experiences, like how much more freeing that felt. And it just felt lighter as you were talking about it. And, and it just makes you realize like, holy crap, like 
I've been staring down this dark hallway forever, you know, aka diet culture telling me I need to be and look a certain way when there's this whole field of possibilities. Yes. And yes. And here's the thing too. It's like, okay, if we're to fully realize the truth of set point weight theory and that we're all meant to have a certain body size, right? Then let's look at what happens when we're trying to force our body to be smaller than it is. That's not freeing. No. Because the things that we have to do to try to stay there or try to lose the weight, you know, we have to count every single morsel of food. We have to be so rigid with our, with our exercise that we miss out on things with friends and family. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody recently and she was like, man, the moment I realized I, I was not healthy, it was actually disordered. It was an, I couldn't be there for a friend because I couldn't miss my exercise class. Oh. Right. And it's like, yeah. And so when we realize, you know, the stress, the control, the rigidity, the guilt, that it takes to try to lose the weight and to try to stay there. That's not freeing. And what we know about, you know, body image and body dysmorphia and where body dysmorphia often stems from is from us starting to hyper-focus on how our bodies look and trying to change the way our bodies look. So when you're standing in the mirror, looking at your belly, being like, oh my God, I just need to like lose this little bit or whatever. That's when body dysmorphia really starts to kick in and can, and I've experienced it and holy shit, it will take you for a ride. Mm -hmm. Because you truly don't see your body for how your body really is. And it's a total brain fuck, you know? And so it's just, that's not free. No, That's not like living my best life. Like it's, it's not. And so it's also a realizing that truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's so constrictive when you see it, like, think of it that way, you know, and I had that experience too, of like body dysmorphia. And it's like, I look back on images of myself when I was younger, thinking that I need to change and always living to that next summer where I'm going to finally work out all the time and come back into school as a new person. Like that was the story I was living by because to me, you know, being in that smaller body signified attention from boys and like all of these, you know, like love, belonging, more friendships. I was going to be able to be visible now, right? Because that was somehow my permission slip. But much of my story was recognized, like going all the way down that path, like many of us do getting to the place where you're being very validated for how you look and looking in the mirror and still hating yourself. And realizing mm-hmm. this isn't it. And I like remember exactly where I was when I had this realization of like, holy crap. And I've built two businesses on this paradigm. I'm living yeah. off of these paradigms. Right. I'm standing here feeling completely broken inside. Yeah. Like, holy fuck. And yeah. like, it's terrifying to have that awareness. And I think I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about how it can be really hard to allow ourselves to be even become aware of like where we're at currently because it can be so painful. Oh, to- totally. It can be so confronting. We're like, oh shit. And there's a yeah. lot of cognitive dissonance that happens as we're, you know, kind of learning this new paradigm. And it can be really, really, really hard, really hard. Yeah. And we also know that like the, the more we try to control and restrict, the more obsessed we are with food, the more crazy we feel, the more out of control we end up feeling. And so it's this really vicious cycle. I mean, it, it really is. And I think, you know, that, that whole picture conversation that you were just, just talking about, I think anybody listening has probably had that experience of looking at an old picture 
and being like, I remember being not happy with my body at that point in time. And then you look back at the picture and you're like, what the fuck was I worried about? Like what? Yeah. And I, and I think everyone's, I think, I mean, a lot of people have had that experience and that is just proof that it's not about our body. Mm -mm. It's not about our body. Nope. You know, it's not. And what's, what's pains me so much with all of this too, is when we are focused so much on the body and our body size and how we look and controlling and manipulating and morphing and fitting into whatever it is. Ultimately, and this is what's always at the core of body image issues, it's that it's objectifying and we begin to self-objectify and we begin to say that, to think, oh, the most important thing about me is how I look. And we treat our bodies like machines and we're listening to, you know, magazine articles on eat this, you know, a day or the macro count or whatever keto, whatever the thing is. And and we, we give away our autonomy. We give away our humanity. We give away, you know, that, that connection with our bodies, that trust, that respect, we give it all away because we're reducing ourselves just to our appearance. We're reducing ourselves to our body. We're reducing ourselves to an object instead of this living, breathing, dynamic, messy, amazing, wonderful, growing, changing, evolving, you know, human being that we are. And that's a, a huge thing that I love so much about the intuitive eating and body image work is that we get to come home to that that humanity. We get to return to our true worth of who we are, not, not just like what we look like, you know, and we get to reconnect with our bodies and trust our bodies and respect our bodies. And guess what? When we connect to and listen to and trust and respect our bodies, we're connecting to trusting, listening to, respecting ourselves. Right. It, you know, like period. And it's, it's why I see clients who do this work. And I always say it's, it's just so true though. Like yeah, it's about food and body, but it's, it's way more. So much more. It's, it's way more. Even, like describe like in a paragraph, like you have to experience it and you're like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I think every single week still, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And there's right. more. And right. There's more. And there's more. Absolutely. Because we're not trying to shrink ourselves mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. We're taking up space. We are owning our, our worth. And it's funny, one of the researched outcomes of intuitive eating among, amongst all the different health outcomes that are wonderful and great, one of the, the researched outcomes is less self-silencing behavior. Right, and right. I remember seeing that and reading that and being like, that's interesting, huh? Okay. And it's funny because over the past four years working with clients, I'm like, oh, duh, look at like, and I can see it myself too, but look at, I can see it just happen over and over and over again with all my clients. And so for instance, I had a client this month who celebrated, she's like, you guys, I had the courage to interview for a new job at this big law firm. And she goes, you know, I, I wasn't even like feeling my best, like in terms of like, if she is maybe feeling a little under, un, under the, the, the weather, like a little cold or something was happening. She goes, but I was able to root myself in my worth, to walk in there and feel super confident, knowing that I had what it took to answer their questions. I had what it took to land this job. That is her rooting herself in an actual comp, not in how she looks, you know, mm-hmm. not in like, I look great and therefore I can get this. Job. No, she's like, I know that I have what it takes to rock this interview because of who I am and what I know I bring to the table. And she got the job 
And she goes, for the first time, there's, there's no imposter syndrome. She's like, I, I know I, I got this. I know I have what it takes to then now rock this job. Yeah, and that yeah. was an entirely different experience than she's had before. I had another client recently say, I've always wanted to, to start my own business. I just have always been too afraid of people judging me based on my, on my body size. And so I've held myself back. And now she's starting her business. Like she started her business. Right. And, and so these are just examples of seeing what happens when we root ourselves in our inherent worth. We, our confidence comes from not what we look like, but who we are. When we reconnect with our bodies and ourselves and we regain that trust, that respect, that appreciation, that intuition, it, it truly does allow us to live such bigger lives. And that, that's why I know you and I are passionate about this work. Like it was just food and body stuff. Okay, cool. That's great. We love it because we know that your whole life opens up when you do this work. Yes. I'm so glad you brought up the, the study with intuitive eating on less self-silencing behaviors, because Mm -hmm. that is something I experienced myself in doing this. Yeah rediscovering my desires. And there was, there was a moment where I was talking to Holly and I was like, yeah, you know, I want this in my life, this in my life. And she's like, I don't believe you. I feel like you're just like mm-hmm. saying what you think you should say. God, isn't Holly the best. I, I know she always calls me out and I'm like, oh, so true. Oh, <laughs> but like, it helped me realize that I don't have to just put all these things on my, you know, bucket list or whatever that I think I should have. I can actually just root myself in what I deserve and whatever that is. Like, it doesn't matter what someone else thinks they might think it's creepy. They might think, oh my gosh, who is she to like want that for her life? And it doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is I'm like trusting in myself. Yes. Yes. Do you remember? So I'm pretty sure this this was an ADHD. We talk about uh, self-discrepancy theory. I believe so. So, and this is exactly what you're saying. And I, this is what some of the stuff I, I studied in, in graduate school. And it's, it's really cool work to do with our clients is, you know, we, we go throughout life and we, we think that we're, you know, working towards our, our ideal self, the, oh, that that's, that's what I want. That's who I want to be, you know? And we think, oh, that that's my ideal. But then if you have a coach or you get to like, kind of do this work with somebody, a lot of times we realize, wait a minute, that's actually not my ideal self. That's what's called the ought self. Mm, and the yes, ought self is, is the should self, right? It's, oh, these are expectations that have been placed on me by my family or by society or by, you know, wanting to look cool on Instagram or like whatever it is. It's, I don't actually care about these things. I don't, I don't actually want, this won't actually make me happy. These are a bunch of ought, the, the oughts, right? And when we can do that damn that's cool because we stop living for everybody else and start actually living for ourselves but then the whole there's a lot of this work and this this you know correlates with with body images the bigger the gap between what we envision the ideal self the ought self to be and then our actual self the more problems we have when there's a bigger gap between how we perceive ourselves to actually be and then that that ideal ought self but what often happens when we simply make the switch of is that your ideal self or is that your ought self? And then get intentional with the ideal self and the client actually creates their own, their true, their authentic, their aligned, intuitive ideal self. What often happens is just in doing that, the gap between perceived actual self and the present and that ideal self shrinks. Mm -hmm. And they go, wait a minute, 
I have a lot of these things in my life already. Yeah. You know, and, and then the gap shrinks even more as they begin working towards that ideal self. That's a true ideal self, you know, and especially when things like a lot of times in the ideal self, that's actually the, the ought self is the thinner body. And when you take that out and you, and you realize, oh my God, actually, I don't have to have that to be happy, confident, healthy, free, you know, fall in love, land the dream job, whatever it is. That's a huge thing to take off, you know, and then the gap shrinks and you're like, oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. And it's really a game changer in, you know, your own personal psychology and how you see yourself. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because when I did that exercise, that's what happened for me when we did that in um, ADHCC is writing out these things I think I should have. And the way that you had framed it of having us just write down like our ideal self and then kind of switching. I love the way as it's set up. (laughs) (laughs) But it was perfect because it got us to do exactly what, what it was meant to do. And and it really did close that gap to where you look at it. Like I'm actually doing pretty great. Like, right. And right. All these feelings that I feel like, you know, I need something to get there can be accessed within me today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because this also brings up then the idea of scarcity versus abundance mindset, you know, and yeah. diet culture and even just like our capitalistic society in general, you know, is, is rooted in scarcity because, you know, every company makes money when we're not good enough. We don't have enough. I need more. I need this. I need that. You know, it's the whole keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses mentality, but then diet culture is the same way, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, I remember my very last diet and getting down to my goal weight, a weight I was never supposed to be at, like never supposed to be at, had to like basically hide away and not see any friends for a full month of my life. And it was awful and Mm -hmm. so disordered. Um, But I sat on the scale that last day and I was like, oh my God, there's that magic number. And then I looked in the mirror and I was like, well, fuck, (laughs) this didn't solve anything. Right. (laughs) Actually, this really sucked. And I knew that to even try and maintain that, like, I couldn't go out with my friends. I couldn't enjoy a Friday night dinner. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have a beer at the breweries that I love so much. You know, I had to like, work out twice a day. Like, it, it was just like, wait a minute, shit. This, it's still, it wasn't enough. It was right. like, I, I still don't like my body. It still is not enough. And that's because diet culture, it's, it's always like that, that perfect body is always just beyond grasp. And we think, oh, I'll be happy when I lose 10 pounds. Oh, I'll be happy if I just tone this part. Oh, I'll be happy. And then we do it and we're like, fuck that. I, I it, the, 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 it always moves. So it's like ah, a little yeah. further, ah, a little further, ah, a little more. Right. And that's why we see, you know, disordered eating and eating disorders then, you know, really spiral because it, it becomes a psychological trap. Mm-hmm. And so when we're able to actually switch from the scarcity cycle to the abundance, you know, like mindset and, and root ourselves in, in appreciation for what we have and what our bodies do for us every day. Oh, whew, that is like life changing, you know, and as simple and as simple as like, wow, my heart beats for me every day without me even asking. <laughs> That's it like distributes blood across my what? That's like kind of crazy. My lungs, they breathe. Like that's wild. Just like thinking about the inner workings of our of, of the human body is like kind of bananas. 
you know, <laughs> it does so much for us. Like our body is like, that's yes. what I learned through this. It's like, right? They're always like trying to help us out and yeah, right. it's not, you know, diet culture makes it seem that it's, it's our fault that we can't follow this. It's our willpower. It's your body's wrong, you know, yeah. buy the next program. And it's yep. just not the case. Like, and, the case. and they know this, Oh like, yeah, they know this They Like yeah. they know that you're going to fail and then come back and pay them more money because oops, you failed and fell off the track and, you know, shame on you get back on this track. We interviewed a guest on the Babes Minute recently, and she, part of her story was she had worked for a weight loss clinic mm-hmm. and she goes, you know, I started to really wake up to how unethical this shit is when in a, like a manager's meeting or team meeting, whatever it was, they, they just blank, they point blank said our business relies on an 80% failure rate. Wow. Let that say, many of them know, like, I do believe there's plenty of amazing people out there who are trying to do wonderful things and like care about right, health and whatnot. They just don't realize. And, right. But there are plenty of diet culture and like a lot of diet culture that they know, they know. And on, on the willpower subject, cause that's it, right. We're all like, if I just have more willpower, if I just have more, more discipline, it's if so I just have more. Like oh, and it, okay. I'm sure you hear it a lot, like being back in the fitness space now, which congratulations. Awesome. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I am in it as well. And that's like such a prevalent conversation. Yes. I'm like, no, did you make it through freaking middle school? <laughs> <Did> you, <laughs> like, oh, you, but you got a college degree. Oh, wait, what's that? You went to right. law school. Oh, wait, what's that? You, you, you had a child. You're raising a family. Right. Wait, what's that? You, you're nurturing like friendships and, and, and relationships. Yo, all these things take willpower. Like you can't tell me you don't have willpower. No. Nope. You can't tell me you don't have grit. You can't yeah. tell me you don't have discipline. Like you can't tell, like I call bullshit. You have all those things. If that's what it took to stick to a diet, we'd all be there, especially because of how badly we all want to like have that body or whatever, right? The, the, the desire is there, you know? We have the willpower. We have the commitment. We have the things necessary. So if that was all it took, we'd all be fucking skinny. Like right. we'd all be there. Mm-hmm. That's not what it is. Mm-mm. It's, yeah. you know, our biology keeps us. It's, it's like, nope, girlfriend, that's not your body size. Nope, not right. supposed to be there. Nope. We can't fight that. You know, like fighting your biology is just a losing battle. Like, and it doesn't even feel good. It goes back to that, like clenching, like restrictive right. mentality. Like it just doesn't feel good. And yeah. one of the the ways I think we talked about it in HCC is, you know, thinking about it in terms of your partner or like a best friend or, you know, even a dog, you know, if you like look at controlling your dog, like they're obviously going to resist that and not love that. And when you think about that relationship in terms of you and your body, it really comes into perspective of like how hard we've been on ourselves and like this poor, like being that has been doing its best to support us. And yeah. all we wanted was us to just like release control and let ourselves be. Right. Right. Like if I'm thinking about, let's, let's, let's use, for, for example, my relationship with my husband. Yeah. If I, a, if I was to be like, oh, I only love you because of how you look shallow fucking relationship. That's not yeah. going <laughs> to marriage number one, but how many of us think like, oh, I had to love the way I look to, to like love my body. It's like, mm. nope. That's diet culture shit right there. But then also, yeah, if I'm trying to like control him, if I don't trust him and I'm like, and there's no trust and trying to control everything he does, that's toxic shit right there. Or if I'm always like, you suck, you're so stupid. I can't believe you. Oh, why'd you do that? Like, 
the inner critic voice in our own head. Right. If I was to be like saying those things out loud to him, oh my God, toxic. We, we're all like, whoa, toxic relationship. Yeah. Right. What's a healthy relationship? Acceptance, support, kindness, compassion, patience, respect, appreciation, trust, you know, like, hello, we all, we all right. know that. It's no different than with our relationship with our bodies. Plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. When we put it in that context, it just, it just makes sense. Like when you start learning all these things and you really lean into the science of what's actually going on here and learning how to, to, to trust your body and like mourn those thin ideals and live in this more creative, like open space. It's just like, like so much is going to just open up and Yeah. And just, I just love, I'm so thankful for your energy and your, your guidance and just your, your knowledge on this, because I learn from you every day and it's just been so awesome to get to like be mentored by you and to, to grow in my experience in all this, because I've grown a lot in the last six months. <laughs> well, I just feel lucky to know you and have gotten to enjoy your company in ADHCC and get to work with you in that way. Like you Girlfriend, as you you know what Holly and I say about you. We're like, just watch our world. <laughs> I just appreciate you guys so much. But I know you guys have awesome programs. I know you have an intuitive eating and body program. What, what is it called again? Intuitive, yes, body, intuitive blueprint. body Blueprint. I yes. love that name, by the way. So tell us more Thank about you. that. Yeah, so that's my, my group coaching program. So for anybody who's like, okay, I really want to figure out how to end the cycle of dieting. I really, this whole intuitive eating thing, I, I'm, in, I'm into it. It sounds great, but how, how do I do it? Or maybe you've tried it by yourself and you're like, ah, um, <laughs> which most of us are like, ah, when we first right? start, <laughs> right. Or you're like, okay, I care about health, but I don't want to, I don't want to do the whole diet thing again. What do I do? Enter okay. the intuitive body blueprint. <laughs> and so the way this program, I love this program and the, the group has gotten so close and there's, there's women in it from all over the country. But of course, since I'm in Columbus, there are a bunch of, 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 of women from Columbus and they, they just last week we had a meetup that I didn't even organize. They organized it. I was like, this is the cutest thing oh, ever. You guys I love that. that. So it's a really wonderful group of just supportive, compassionate, empathetic, understanding, wonderful women who are all in this together, all have their own, you know, stories, but all working through similar things together. And there's such power in, in that community. And so in that program, I take you, I, I walk you step-by-step step through, you know, the 10 principles of intuitive eating, this evidence-based process. I help you make peace with food through the, the video content, through the course. And then we have our private Facebook group where there's always things going on. Every Wednesday, I'll do a live supporting their actual questions. And so after this, after this episode, I'm going to hop over there and go support them in that, in that live. And then we have monthly live coaching calls and they get this for life. So they get live coaching calls for, for life, you know, and, and I, and I did that with this program because again, this work isn't linear. It's not a mountaintop and then you're done. You know, you're, you're going to be pretty good. You know, once you've done it for a while, you're gonna be pretty fucking good, but you're going to get triggered. You're going to have a challenge pop up. And so I wanted to make sure that, that this program was uh, created in a way where I always got your back or you always just have community, you know, and maybe you don't even want to want want the coaching call, you know, two years from now, but you're like, oh, I know that I at least had that Facebook group to fall back on. And there's a whole bunch of women who get it and I can go vet to them or I can go ask them for help or I can go share this with them or celebrate this with them. And they're going to understand it, you know? And so it's really this, this community-based program that just helps you make peace with food, body exercise. And I love it 
so much. <laughs> yes, yes. I love hearing about it too. And just especially the community piece. I feel that just from being in the experience of one of your programs, that that is like something that you're truly gifted at is creating community and connection. So thank you. Super, super awesome. Yeah, truly mean that. But thank you so much for, for sharing all of this. You guys listen to our podcast, The Babesmint with Steph. It's so great. So funny. I always laugh. If you like Taylor Swift, you're going to love the babes. <laughs> yes. They're always talking about Taylor Swift <laughs> and they always press record and like, are just talking about whatever. And it's great. And I just that, feel like I just, our, that's our season two vibe, Katie. I season love it. was all like, Hey, Hey, Seth, Hey Jules, welcome to the basement. And now right. we're just like press record as we're just like chatting and it's yeah. just like, <laughs> 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 Like talking about goldfish and maple and like, oh, stuff. I mean, and all the I best. Love it because Listen, I just feel like I just peppers, maple, Taylor Swift. That, that, that's a great afternoon right there. So amazing. Well, definitely, definitely, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, wow, I, this like really helped me, like go follow Julie on Instagram because she's posting some like fire content and like get on Thank her email you. list because I read them every single time she sends oh, them out. And I think, I'm literally like, yes. You're just like hyping me up. I'm just like, Listen, okay, okay, it is okay. the truth. It is the <laughs> truth. <laughs> but I appreciate you and all that you do. And thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with us today. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. And oh, you're, you're the best. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Mind and Body Strong podcast. You are what makes this movement and message possible. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend, a coworker, a family member, or take a screenshot and share it on your favorite social media platform and tag Mind and Body Strong. To learn more about coaching and courses to help you take your journey to the next level, visit mindandbodystrong.com.